Welcome to Hemp Stocks, where we dive deep into all things hemp and explore all the amazing opportunities and solutions that this plant has to offer. We're going to look beyond just the medicinal healing properties of CBD, because hemp is so much more than just medicine. From farming and manufacturing, carbon capture, clean energy economics, water and soil remediation, there are so many solutions if we start living hemp consciously. My name is Adam Stevens, and each week I'm going to take you on a journey as we explore all the many possibilities that hemp has to offer. So you with me? Calling all cannabinots, it's time for Hemp Stocks. All right, welcome back. Yes, I'm Adam Stevens. I'm joined again with David Miguel. The guest for this week, we have Michaela Moore. She is the hemp officer out in Montana. So she is running the hemp program on a state level out there. Super excited to have her on. Uh, David, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing really well, Adam. Doing really well. Yeah, cool. I'm excited for you to hear some of the stuff that Michaela has to say. Um, She's on the regulation side. And so, um, you know, it's it's really important to have her voice and have her perspective um, because she's working really hard for her farmers in their, in in her state. Yeah. And I think that that's sometimes, you know, um, anybody who has to abide by the regulations and deal with the regulators, sometimes we take that a little personal, but um, as, as I am seeing here in Washington state with our regulators, you know, a lot of them do have backgrounds in farming. They do have friends and family that are involved in it. And a lot of them are just as passionate as those of us who are on the, the growing and processing side of it. So I look forward to hearing what Michaela has to say. Yeah. And like you, she also came from the cannabis side, Um, but she sees, you know, and so she's seen all sorts of things from, you know, medical, the CBD side, and now the fiber side, she's really embracing too. Well, and I think for everybody, including the regulators, right, as we start talking, we, we are all figuring out that this, this world of hemp, this world of cannabis sativa L, it, it, it's a big wide world and there's plenty of room for everybody. We just have to figure out what works where and what works for who and why <laughs> and then the big how <laughs> well let's get right to it so uh, coming up right now we have Michaela Moore all right welcome back everybody again my name is Adam Stevens I am super excited to introduce the guest for this week she is the hemp program officer for the state of Montana and so she's got a really cool perspective. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna introduce her right now. It's Michaela Moore. Michaela, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Oh, I am doing great. Another beautiful day. So great day to talk about hemp, as I like to say. Every day is a good day to talk about hemp. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So great, so let's just start with some background. Um, kind of just give us a little bit uh, a background about yourself and kind of how you found yourself Uh, in the world of hemp? Well, to be totally honest with you, I ended up in hemp specifically by chance, but I was born and raised in the agricultural industry, you know, raising horses, cows, ranching, farming, and I was also born and raised in the cannabis industry in Northern California. So I had that background. Um, I ended up coming, moving to Montana and coming to work for the department in a different program. And then they had sort of heard about my background, heard about my experience in that 
and actually asked me to help um, develop the Montana State Program along with our previous program coordinator, Andy Gray. Awesome. And so what was going to going through your head with that? How much did you know about hemp as a fiber? Obviously, you were exposed to, to kind of cannabis in that whole world. But um, did you kind of know about that? Or were you learning about that for the first time then? I was, you know, aware of the grain and fiber side. But for sure, my expertise and experience came in and more of the CBD, you know, cannabinoidal side of things. But I was excited to learn about grain and fiber more and, and soon came to realize that in Montana, our sustainable market was going to be the grain and fiber markets. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Just because there is so much potential, so much potential that we're just beginning to get tapped into, you know? Right. Yeah. It's hard for us to compete with states like Colorado and Oregon as well, because they were so far established in the CBD um, and just more, you know, more CBD being produced and that sort of thing. So that's really kind of our niche market and or niche markets in Montana is the fiber and grain. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, the farm bill passes and, and hemp becomes legalized. And, and so you guys kind of started a pilot a pilot project out there and you helped uh, kind of create those regulations or those rules. Is that right? Yeah, so I was not um, a part of the program in 2017 and 2018. It was small scale. Um, we, I do know, though, that the, us as a department were purchasing certified hemp seed and dispersing that to farmers. So just a small group, not a huge group. I think we had, oh, let's see, about 19 applications in 2017 and 58 in 2018. So it's a good amount, but we were just getting into it and people were learning about it and it was all, you know, primarily grain varieties. And then I stepped in in 2019 when we were really starting to get our pilot program going and our state program going and we're licensing growers and they were purchasing their own seed. We were not dispersing it anymore. We were seeing a huge influx of CBD producers, primarily CBD, 80% CBD, about 50,000 acres planted total in our state. So I've been a part of the department since 2019 and um, helped develop our program as we really became more of a program and less of a, um, you know, trying to get started. So. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So um, obviously you've seen um, some change in the growth. So has there been a, a big uptick in 2021 and 2022 compared to 2019? Um, well, in terms of licenses and, you know, applications and acreage, we're down from 2019. We'll never be where we were in 2019 because 2019 was really that CBD boom. Everybody was kind of thinking maybe, you know, this is a cash crop. I'm going to do this. They were learning, and we had a ton of acreage permitted, like 60,000 acres permitted, and then ended up with 50,000 planted. And towards the end of, you know, 2019 harvest season, we had a major snowstorm in September that wiped mm. out a lot of crops. So mm. a lot of people got burnt that year. Um, unfortunately, there were some bad players out there that burnt some growers. And so we'll never have that many again. Um, but to be honest with you, I think we're at a better place now in the last couple of years because we have our our true blue farmers they're they're really focusing on fiber and grain and there's nothing wrong with cbd but as i said before the fiber and the grains really where montana can shine and and we're you know becoming a leader in yeah. those markets is there a different um regulatory process if you're growing for cbd as opposed to fiber uh 
there's just some additional review that we go through on variety documentation. Um, we review all of our varieties. You, you provide either a COA or a seed label, but if you're growing the certified seed, which is primarily grain and some fiber varieties, um, you know, we just, we look at a seed label and you're just subject to 10 to 20% um, random sampling, whereas category C's, as we call them, which are higher risk, typically CBD varieties or just non-certified varieties, we test 100% of those in our state. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, um, as you know, you and I and most of our listeners know, um, you know, hemp is not anything that you can get high from that's defined as having less than 0.3% uh, THC. And yet um, it's definitely looked at, um, especially federally, as a, a very different crop from, from other crops. But just from the fiber side, we have, uh, I'm sure you know Ken Elliott very well. He's been a guest on here, and he's doing some great things uh, out there. Tell me about kind of some of these additional hoops that he has to go through um, just because he's trying to grow hemp, even though it's for, for fiber and grain. Yeah, so first of all, I'd like to say um, we're very excited in Montana to have IND Hemp. We're lucky to have, you know, a company like them. They're doing some great things. They work with their farmers really well. Um, and so I think that's great that we have that infrastructure in our state for fiber and grain. And they really honed in on that and are doing a great job, I think, of, of working towards making that um, a sustainable market and supply chain, so on and so forth. Um, Ken is a grower. He's licensed with USDA as well as us. And, you know, I get, I will say, I, I will reference that question a little bit. Um, I get that comment a lot from farmers. Like, I don't have to pay to grow my corn. I don't have to get a criminal history report to grow wheat. Why do I have to do this for hemp? But the truth of the matter is, though, is hemp can go hot. So, you know, if you're going to grow certified fiber and grain varieties, there's virtually no risk of the THC with those varieties, but we still have people in our state that are growing CBD varieties. There's a little more risk involved. And I think another part of it is that regulation is all over the place because we have some states that have legalized marijuana and, and, you know, some that have not. It's not been federally legalized. So there's there's misinformation. There's some more education that needs to be done. And we're just all trying to catch up with that. You know, we're trying to do what's best for our farmers while also, while also adhering to, you know, USDA's regulations for us. So we're all working towards that. Um, I think hemp is getting there. We have come leaps and bounds in the last few years. Just a lot more education out there. Like, this podcast is great. You know, people need to be able to go find things like this and, and hear from farmers and hear from regulators. And so we're getting there. I think the industry as a whole is moving along nicely, and we're getting to a much more sustainable point. You know, hopefully in the future, I know IND Hip is working on this. We'll have a fiber and grain exemption. That would be great. You know, less regulation on these certified varieties that have proven themselves to be, you know, not not risky. And then also, let's look at the end product as well. What is this going into? Is it going into fiber? It's never going to be consumed, right? So less risk of having to worry about THC there. And hopefully we'll get there. I know that they're working on that. And, and probably a lot of other industry members are looking for that. So 
hopefully in the future we'll have that and um, a little less regulation on those guys. Right. Okay. No, great. So thank you, Michaela. And so for our listeners, you, you kind of threw out a term there for those who don't know, growing hot means that there is uh, too much THC in the hemp plant. I'm glad you brought that up because it is something to be aware of. Are there different um, genetics or different types of hemp plants that are you know, less likely to, to be hot? Or is that something that is a, uh, a problem that you're, you're finding farmers run into? Uh, so for our fiber um, farmers, some of those good fiber varieties, unfortunately, aren't always compliant. They just, for whatever reason, maybe they come from China, say, and they get to Montana's climate. And um, I've heard geneticists talk about how latitude is a major factor and it can cause them to go hot, you know, be over 0.3. Now, that's not to say they're you know, 30% THC or anything like that. We're, we're talking a range from like 0.3 to 1.0, you know, right. okay. but um, that that's still a risk with those fiber varieties. With the grain varieties, you see it a lot less. And most of the grain varieties in our state that are grown um, are certified. Pretty much all of them are certified. They're AOSCA mm-hmm. certified. They've been certified by, you know, the Association of Official Seed Certifying Agencies, one of those agencies, and they've verified that that is a high quality variety. You know, it's, this is what it's going to produce. They'll look at THC, that sort of thing. Um, so we, we certainly encourage our growers to buy from reputable companies for one, um, do their own research, you know, certified varieties are, are great. There's less risk, uh, but it's up to them. They might want to grow a fiber variety that is a little bit more risk. And, and we just try to educate and work with them on that and um, go from there. Okay. And so if I'm hearing you right, one of the regulations that could potentially be changing is having some exemptions for the fiber uh, to say, you know, if this is not going to be consumed in any way, um, can we be exempted from such strict testing? Yeah, there, um, IND Hemp, I, I actually just watched a video the other day. They were, um, I don't know if this is the correct word, but lobbying for that, you know, putting that out there, just trying to educate um, regulators. And so I know that's out there in the, in the industry. And um, Montana, you know, we do align with some of those thoughts, right? If, if it's certified seed, if it's going into fiber, um, we hope that there will be a time at some point where uh, we don't have to test all of those, even if they're not, you know, if they're not certified fiber varieties. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, great. So, is the department, you know, everyone that is growing hemp, they have to, have to get a license from you and interact with you. And is the state though um, trying to encourage more hemp growers, um, or are you basically there and receiving applications as they come in? Uh, so we don't, you know, advertise or anything mm-hmm. like that. We're not endorsing, sure. but um, we're here to help the farmers. Yeah. And I'm always here to step in. If they need information, if this is something they're considering, they can call me. I can walk through with them what I've seen. You know, I might even point them in the direction of an industry member that can give them some insight. Um, so I, we are actively receiving applications right now, and we are seeing applications come in for completely brand new farmers in our state, which is really exciting. And I think that's says something about, um, you know, the grain and fiber industry. All of these guys are applying to grow grain and fiber, um, which is exciting. And and most of them are working with IND Hemp and they are helping their farmers a lot. Uh, it makes me feel better knowing that, you know, the farmers have more direction and that knowledge in their yeah. corner. Yeah. So since um, Montana was one of kind of the first pilot programs there, you guys have kind of been a leader 
um, as far as that goes. What kind of coordination do you have with other states? Are there other states that kind of look to you as a model for, for them to implement hemp programs? Yeah, I don't know, you know, if I would say a model. Um, the thing about regulation that um, I think is important to say is that it's not all going to work the same for each state. Each state is so different, right? You know, our geography and what our growers are producing and who our farmers are are different than, you know, vastly different than, say, Colorado or Oregon. So, um, we, we definitely all like to interact like the different states. I'm part of a hemp regulators group. We get together about once a month. There's a representative from every state. We talk about what's going on in the industry, that sort of thing, which is super helpful because all of us have the same common interest in mind, which is to help our farmers and, and have the best programs we can, you know. Um, and then I've been communicating a lot with Idaho lately. They um, just got their plan approved. They're working on that. They're navigating, you know, how to run a program because there's a lot of aspects that go into it. So I've, I've been on the phone with them a couple times. I actually just got a call yesterday from a representative of the, of the um, Shoshone Bannock tribe in Idaho. They got their plan approved. They chose not to turn it over to USDA. So they were just looking for some information on, you know, who collects our samples, the lab we send it to, how that works. And I always love that. I always love being able to communicate with other states. And if I can help them in any way, if we can help them in any way, we're um, happy to because Montana jumped out pretty early. Um, and we are a leader in a lot of aspects, um, you know, some in acreage and that sort of thing. And we have a really great program, which is largely in part to, um, you know, our previous program coordinator, Andy Gray, he had like 22 years of, of regulation experience. And then I came in with a different kind of private industry sector perspective and we came together really well and worked together really well and and always had our farmers in mind um so i'm, I'm very you know happy with the program we have and i i can say i don't envy idaho though coming out of the gate now trying to figure it all out but um, we're always here to to communicate with other states if needed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so is all the regulation just on the farming side or are there regulations all throughout the supply chain? Uh, yeah, so as a department, we regulate just the growing, you know, production of the hemp. Um, we're verifying THC levels, verifying um, that that crop is compliant. If it's not, we'll work with our farmers a little further. They can enter into a corrective action plan with the department where they can, you know, have their crop processed at one of our licensed um, processing facilities or destroy all derivatives, you know, whatever the level is. Um, but if you produce compliant hemp, we're, we're hands off. We're not regulating product. And I do think there is some, some um, maybe lack of regulation on product out there, not just in the, as our state, but, you know, as a country as a whole. Um, but we're pretty much, we're just regulating the growing of the hemp. So we're working with our farmers from start to finish on that process. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So um, what have been the uh, changes over the last few years coming from the federal side? Um, and do you, are, do you see more changes coming through um, in the future over the next months and years? I think 
we're at a, a much more consistent place now. You know, in, in 2020, I believe, uh, USDA released the interim final, final rule, which was kind of setting up the structure for our states to figure out, you know, how we, what we have to meet, the regulations we have to meet to set up our programs. And then in 2021, they came out with the final rule. There was some updates. They had received comments from, you know, states and tribes and industry members and kind of reassessed and came back with the final rule. So that is what we um, are approved state plan derived from. We, we base that on the final rule and then the regulations that we had to meet as a department or, or as a um, within our plan. So I think, you know, we're getting to a more consistent place now, but we're all at the beginning of that now where we're trying to get on the same page and there's some new things we have to do this year. For example, um, you know, all of our farmers have to report to their local farm service agency. That's new for some of my farmers. Um, but luckily we've, we've got that structure in place. So now it's just figuring out how we, um, we carry out those procedures. Yeah. So, and it's pretty much, I mean, it's a state by state thing, but as you kind of say, every state's a little bit different and it is going to work differently. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, uh, do you feel that it's not going to be until, um, there is kind of a full decriminalization of, of marijuana and THC before hemp fiber is kind of really released um, until that happens? Is there always going to kind of be this dance it has to play? You know, I, I really can't say. Um, the one thing I would say, though, as I, I have said before, is if we, we have made leaps and bounds, I think there's so much more education out there now. People are starting to to listen, and there's large talk about, you know, our environment and sustainable farming, regenerative farming, all these things that are going on, and hemp is, is an answer to a lot of that. So people are starting to dive into it more than just the CBD phase of it, which is exciting, and I think, um, you know, we, we get closer every time we have these great industry events or we talk to each other and we, we discuss the differences and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the more that, that smart people and scientists and people that have strong credibility uh, with people talk about hemp as a solution, the more it'll be more, more credible to more people. Cause I think right now, even because there's that THC connection, if, if someone's out there saying, oh, hemp is the answer, there's this little bit of a discount of, oh, you know, they're kind of just some, some hemp loving, um, you know, hippie kind of person. And so um, <laughs> I'm really just trying to get that, that stigma completely gone and, and focusing on the fiber and um, how it's grown like any other crop. You know, they plant it like wheat, they harvest it like wheat. Um, and it's uh, grown completely differently than the CBD and the, and the THC markets, you know, as you know. Right. Yeah. And, and looking at the end product that's going into, right. Because if I'm, if I'm producing, you know, grain that's going to be um, pressed into oil and that sort of stuff, um, I have to consider a lot more things. If this is going into fiber, it, it's never going to be consumed, right. You know, this is going to go into, um, 
say, you know, herd, bass, whatever, uh, there's less risk, okay? And so it's great to be able to separate, you know, CBD to grain and fiber and look at the benefits of each and then the risk that comes with each. But fiber is certainly, um, I think, in my opinion, an answer to a lot of environmental problems. Um, and hemp as a whole, just as a plant, it's amazing what it can do and, and draw from soil and that sort of thing. So um, I hope that we get to a point where that is more widely understood. Not to mention, hemp is a, um, an outstanding rotational crop. So, you know, even if a farmer wants to get into this and they're they're not saying, okay, I'm going to have bioplastics or I'm going to um, be in the textile industry and they just want to dip their toes in, it's a great rotational crop. There's a lot of benefits to it. So, so um, you did kind of mention back in 2019, I want to go back, there was that snowstorm in September and um, uh, the hemp this hemp crop can't have insurance right has the same insurance restrictions as cbd and and marijuana is that right uh yeah i think that they have come a lot farther on the insurance side since 2019 um i've been to a, a couple insurance events and actually spoke at one which was great because they're trying to educate themselves they're trying to figure out um you know how they can be involved with hemp and and how to insure him because it, it was new to everybody in our state, but specifically, you know, insurance. Um, and then the state of Montana, actually, we have a program that, that offers hail insurance on hemp, which is really great and exciting. So um, that's another thing that's just progressing and, and getting closer. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I'm trying to think of how to encourage more farmers to, you know, to grow and and they kind of got burned by the CBD. So they might be kind of thinking, you know, fool me once type of thing, but the fiber is such a different, um, different product, different crop. And it's the growing process is more familiar to most likely what they've done with other crops. And so um, hopefully, you know, we can get, get more farmers on, on board and, and, um, and then at the same time, continue to build those end markets and, and products for it to turn into so that they can make a profit. Right. Yeah. I think that was kind of the, um, one of the major factors in 2019 was a lot of people or a lot of farmers were jumping into hemp um, and CBD is so vastly different than their standard crops, whereas fiber grain is, um, you know, that's personally where I would dip my toe into and kind of fill it out. Um, the CBD, they had tons of issues with, with weed because of how they had to plant it and that sort of thing. And, and we had poor seed out there as well. Um, there was just, um, you know, people maybe didn't know how to do the research or weren't doing enough research to ensure that they were buying quality seed and, and THC levels, that sort of thing. So, um, I think with the fiber and the grain, um, it's, it's, it was uh, where most people should have started in 2019 and they just didn't, you know, and that's okay. You know, that, that's how it happened. But between the snowstorms and then poor seed and um, just everything, THC levels in 2019, we kind of had the perfect storm. Um, so I'm happy to say that as a state, you know, as regulators and producers, we've all grown, we all learned, and we're in a, you know, in a great place this year. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Michaela, thank you for joining me. I want to end on looking forward into the future and just kind of, you know, um, how everything uh, on a on a governmental level obviously works slowly, um, but, uh, you know, w- 
what do you see the next uh, six months to a year looking like? I think um, a lot of states are in the same position as we are in. We're now fully, this is the first year we're fully under our USDA approved plans. So, you know, we submitted plans, we went through this process with USDA. Now it's it's figuring out how do I actually implement this? How do I actually, you know, come up with these procedures, these policies, um, while also serving your farmers? Because every state's different. We all have different um, perspectives and aspects. So we're all um, working on, you know, how can we uh, be the best regulators and also, you know, be under our USDA plans, making sure we're in line with that? Um, we're all we're all working, trying to get better. So I think in the next six months, um, you'll see more consistency, but it's also a learning curve because we're all under a little bit more consistent regulation now. And some some states, some regulators and producers are having to do things they maybe didn't have to do in the past. So we're all learning. Yeah, no, it's so great for you to share your perspective. And, you know, regulation is important. And it's, it's good to hear, um, you know, the voice that you you have the same kind of, uh, you know, collaborative and positive um, kind of nature that I've gotten from a lot of people in the hemp industry here. And so I'm, you know, it, you're, you're doing what you can on the state side to help out the farmers. And that's fantastic. Yeah, that's one thing I will say about the hemp industry. I have met so many wonderful people from farmers to, you know, uh, businesses like IND Hemp, just the camaraderie and we're all trying to learn. We're all trying to figure it out. Um, but I think the most important thing is that farmers feel like they're being representative. They're being heard because we talk about supply chains. We need this, we need that. It all starts at the farm on the farm when that seed goes into the ground. So I think it's, it's super important all the way through and, and just making those connections, meeting farmers, meeting industry representatives, it all helps you learn and grow. And so we're all in, in a super exciting time of, of getting to know people. And then now that COVID has subsided somewhat, we're traveling again, right? We're getting to go to in-person events, which is super important. Um, I went to the Industrial Hemp Summit in North Carolina. I met a ton of great people, met farmers from North Carolina, you know, toured, toured NC State's textile and non-woven institutes. And just all of that knowledge is, is what's going to help us uh, grow as regulators and producers. So... Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I talked to Rick Brown who spoke at that event and, um, yeah, he's doing some great things out there with hemp. So, um, that's great. Well, Michaela Moore, the hemp program officer at the state of Montana, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. Um, and again, thanks for sharing your perspective. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. All right, welcome back in. And yes, I got David Miguel here for a little recap. David, what did you think of Michaela? It was great getting to hear um, her story. You know, I think that's the thing that you and I both are really gravitating to is it's not just what is being done, but it's the energy of the people doing it. And you know, what I really liked about Michaela is um, 
you know, she just barely alluded to it, but she's part of, you know, the cannabis legacy industry, you know, like she is become a professional. She has found a place for herself. And I think she's an inspiration on a different level because, you know, for older people, you know, that's all we want in this. And whether it's cannabis, whether it's hemp, we want a little bit of stability. We want some peace of mind. Um, and I didn't realize that even industrial hemp fiber is oftentimes testing at like that 1% THC level. When she mentioned that, it really kind of uh, opened my mind a little bit. You know, that's why it's nice to have someone on the regulation side and get to hear their voice and their perspective of these things. But she said a lot of these fiber varieties can technically pop above 0.3% and, and get into that 1% range where they're technically non-compliant. Um, but... Uh, that's one of the things that Ken's working really hard for. And she mentioned that in the episode to have that fiber and grain exemption. And so, um, and so I know that they're working on that and we want to continue to support that. So, because it is about the end product. If this, if the hemp is never going to be consumed, then why jump through all of these additional hoops? You know me, I've been a long, long time, you know, grower and, you know, the federal definition between hemp and cannabis is this 0.3%, but on a biological level, you know, it's all cannabis sativa L, bro. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we need to work on our language. We need to work with our regulators. And, you know, if we do want to, you know, bring some stability and professionalism to the industry, we do need to work with not only our regulators, but also our politicians. And I liked seeing and hearing from somebody who is on the regulation side of it and seeing that they're not they're not trying to go work against us, right? They're it's same team, right? We're all team him, you know. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that definitely, at least at the state level, um, there is that kind of support there. So, um, yeah, well, man, um, thank you again to Michaela. Uh, looking forward, um, we have a really amazing guest next week that uh, you guys better buckle up for because um, this, guy, this, this guy is going to send us into the future. Um, so his name's Clayton Turner, and he's doing some amazing stuff with Hemp Blockchain, which we're going to get all into next week. I'm super excited for, but, um, but yeah, I'm really pumped for that. Well, David, um, it's been another wonderful episode, another beautiful week. Anything you'd like to say to send us out? Hey, we all know hemping ain't easy, but we're in it together. So let's, let's keep on keeping on y'all. <laughs> beautiful with that. We will see y'all next week. Come together. Human being.